0: The Indians roamed the forest lands in this area in a much earlier time. Steamboats occupied the chain of lakes, bayous, and the Red River, transporting passengers, laborers, cotton, and booze. He began to develop his own style of music after exposure to various musical influences on the Shreveport's Fanny Street, a row of saloons, brothels, and dance halls, now referred to as Leadbetter Heights. Welcome, y'all, to Red Onion Podcast. Today, we'll be talking about Oil City, Oil City, Louisiana, which is in, located in Northwest, extreme Northwest, Louisiana. Also, that's going to be our spotlight. And then we're going to also talk about Louisiana. Our artist, Louisiana artist spotlight is going to be Huddy Ledbetter. And today's sauce will be about Thanksgiving in Louisiana. Okay, guys. Our uh, first first up is our Louisiana uh, artist uh, spotlight, and today we're going to be talking about Huddy William Ledbetter. He was born January twentieth, eighteen eighty eight, and he died uh, December sixth, nineteen forty nine. Uh, his weather, his stage name was uh, Lead He was an American folk and blues singer, musician, and uh, songwriter, notable for strong vocals, and he uh, and played the twelve string guitar. And he was he he uh, had folk standards he introduced, including his renditions of uh, Good Night Irene," "Midnight Special," "Cotton Fields," and "Bow Weevil." The younger of two children, Leadbelly was born Huddy William Ledbetter to Sally Brown and Wesley Ledbetter on a plantation near Mooringsport, Louisiana, on January twentieth, eighteen eighty-eight. Mooringsport is uh, located north, just northwest of Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, by 1903, uh, Huddy was uh, a musician already. Um, when, uh, so he started very young in his, uh, in his thing, and then he got in some trouble and then he, uh, uh, he went to prison for a little while and we're going to talk a little bit about that. So, uh, while in prison, um, um, Lead Belly, uh, may have first heard the traditional song Midnight Special, um, which was recorded by CCR and a bunch of other, um, acts. Um, he was discovered three years later during a visit um, by a uh, John Lomax, and his son, Alan Lomax. Um, Leadbelly um, usually played a 12-string guitar, but also played the piano, the mandolin, the harmonica, violin, uh, played a bunch of different instruments. Um, Leadbelly's songs covered a wide range of uh, g- genres and topics including gospel music, blues, uh, about women, liquor, prison life, and he also about racism, uh, which was very prominent in those days. Um, Lead Belly was imprisoned multiple times uh, beginning in 1915. He, uh, he was convicted of carrying a pistol and sentenced to time um, in the Harrison County uh, chain gang. Um, by January 18, uh, excuse me, January 1918, he was arrested again in Sugarland, Te- Texas after killing one of his relatives. Um, in 1925, he was pardoned and released and write a song for writing a song to Governor Pat Morris Neff, um, seeking his freedom, and he got it. Uh, back in those days, you can sing for the warden and get out of jail even after you kill someone. Um, he combined his uh good behavior with uh, which which included entertaining the, the guards and fellow prisoners. His appeal to Neff's strong religious beliefs proved significant. Uh, In 1939, Lead Belly returned to prison. Alan Lomax, then 22, he was 24 24 years old at the time, took him under his wing and helped him raise money for his legal expenses. All right. And then um, let's see. So after he he finally got out of jail, it looked like for the last time uh, in 1940. And uh, Lead Belly, after that, kind of started uh, working in New York area. And uh, he kind of on the scene there, and we're we'll gonna talk a little bit about that. So he appeared on, as a regular on Alan Lomax's uh, Nicholas Ray's groundbreaking CBS radio show, back where I come from. Broadcast that that broadcasted uh, nationwide. He uh, he also uh, appeared in nightclubs with uh, Josh White, becoming a fixture in the New York City surgeon folk music scene, and befriending uh, the likes of like Sonny Terrell, uh, Terry, Brownie McGee, Willie Guthrie. And a young Pete Seeger. Pete Seeger was a uh, big in the, uh, in the New Orleans, fo- excuse me, New York uh, folk scene. So from there, um, you know, uh, Lead Belly was the, the first American country blues mu- mu- musician to achieve success in Europe. So he had some success also in Europe. So in 49, um, at the radio show, um, "Folk Songs of America broadcast a station of WNYC in New York. Um, the show on Sunday nights, he began his, uh, in 49, he started going overseas from, you know, all this music being played and people hearing it in Europe. And uh, so he took a trip to a European tour and a trip to France. Um, He fell ill um, before its completion and was diagnosed with uh, ALS. At the time they didn't know it was Lou Lou Gehrig's disease, but he had uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. Um, Got very ill. Um, his final concert was at the University of Texas, Austin, in a tribute to his former mentor, John Lomax, who helped him out earlier in his life, that died the previous year. Uh, Leadbelly died later that year in New York City and was buried in a, um, in a Baptist church in Moran's Louisiana, um, about eight miles uh, west of uh, Blanchard, Louisiana. I know that's just uh, north of, northwest of uh, Shreveport, as we talked about um led belly's credits he, he was credited as being the king of the 12 string guitar led belly played with finger picks much of the time using his thumb pick to provide the walking bass line um described as tricky and and um inventive and then he would occasionally strum with that thumb uh the technique combined with two with low tunings and heavy strings, which gave him that sound, gives many of his uh, recordings a piano-like sound, like a Barrow house sound. In fact, scholars have suggested such as such um, much of his guitar playing was inspired equally by the Barrow house piano and a Mexican uh, banjo sexto, an instrument he uh, encountered while he was uh, in Texas and Louisiana. His legacy is very big. Uh, if you would, uh, you can look online and they got, they got, they got, they got his grave down there in Morrisport. And, and, um, uh, there's a lot of people that, that, um, that, that has been influenced by this guy. I know that, uh, Eric Clapton, Mark Knopfler, uh, Kurt Cobain, Kurt Cobain, uh, promoted his legacy Lead Belly on some modern rock, uh, audiences often on their, fill fam- fam- familiarity with Lead, Lead Belly of Nirvana. Um, to Nirvana's performances, where did I you sleep last night? Which is a, a Lead Belly tune. Bob Dylan credits Lead Belly for getting him into folk music. Um, Bob, we can't say enough about Bob Dylan. He's got a, a Nobel Peace Prize for for literature. Um, George Harrison of the Beatles. The George, he was he was quoted as saying, "If there was no Lead Belly, there would be have would have not no had no Lonnie Dugan, no Lonnie Dugan, no Beatles. Therefore, no Lead Belly, no Beatles." That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty impressive, right there. Also, some um, some, and, and we're gonna get to Oil City in a little bit. But uh, um, some other notable musicians from that area in North, uh, the screen Northwest Louisiana. You got <clears throat> Tom Ains. Uh, he died in two thousand. Was a musician and a record producer who notably signed the rock and roll Hall of Famer David Bowie to his first record label, coming out of Oil City, Louisiana, Northwest Louisiana. You also had Aubrey, Roy Aldridge. He died in 2007. He was a singer and songwriter who performed with and had songs recorded with legendary performers, well-known country songs recorded by artists of the day from A Jack to A King, which Elvis Presley and Jim Reeves did. Just Before Dawn, that's Red Foley, and Dark Moon by Bonnie Guitar and Gale Storm. Also from that area is Jack Green. He died in 2014. He was a professional guitarist who appeared on both the Louisiana Hayride, which was in Shreveport, and the Grand Ole Opry. Um, you also had J.W. Green. He's still living. He's the older of a brother of Jack Green. He's recognized as one of the uh, last fiddle makers to be to uh, uh, makers. He made the fiddles to be built instruments totally by hand. Also, they have one big club down there in that area. And, um, it was cool point lounge. The original establishment was a restaurant and dance hall that frequently hosted performers from legendary Louisiana Hayrides, which was, you know, right there in these, uh, near, near uh, Shreveport musician, Jack green who played there himself as a member of the local band, the Bayou boys, um, were there, uh, that had played there a lot. Um, some other musicians that played in that area is Claude King. He's from Keithville, um, he did Wolverton mountain. That's on Wolverton mountain. Um, Webb price. He was a big country star. He was from West motor. He was from West Monroe, but he played at the cool point lounge also. Then you had Bob Wills that played there. Uh, Bob Wills is a, a standard in Texas. And then you had uh, Johnny Horton, which was from the uh, Shreveport area. Also he played there and fair and young, which is also from, um, uh, from the Shreveport area. As you can see that uh lead belly going back to lead belly, he, uh, he had a big influence on a lot of people in that northwest Louisiana right there with the hay ride. And you got Leadbelly, and all these people like Farron Young and Johnny Horton that come from that area. So the next thing we're going to go up to, we're going to talk about Oil City. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, what happened in that uh, area. All right. All right, guys, now we're going to talk about Oil City. Oil cities is, like I said, in extreme north northwest um, uh, uh, Louisiana um, north of Shreveport. All City was found as a flag stop along the Kansas City Southern Railroad. At the time, the town was known as Ann 9 Us, a name that it supposedly had been given by some Shreveport men who owned a hunting and fishing club on the Caddo Lake um, known as Cool Point, which we talked about earlier. Cool Point Lounge, uh, Lounge, uh, Lounge, that's how it got its name. These were the stops along the railroad line which had come through the area um, in 1895, um, so all city, like I said, is in, uh, uh, located in Caddo Parish, Louisiana. Um, in 1904, the Savage brothers and uh, drilled for the first oil well. Um, after the discovery of oil in in, in 1905, the flag stop was des- destined to become a boomtown. Three three years later, um, a man named Howard Hughes, the father of the famous Howard Hughes. Uh, convinced the government to locate a post office in All City. Um, by 1910, the oil business was, was booming in this tiny little town. 25,000 people populated the city and, and the land had been leased to drill oil. Uh, land sales went from 50 cents an acre to $500 an acre within a year. Um, the town um, became the, the first wildcat town in the Arkla as tough characters with uh, 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 a shack-covered red-light district known as Reno Hill gave the town a rough and um, very rough atmosphere. Um, All city was uh, described um, as being so wild that the crew of the passengers on the train was advertised to pull the window shades on the trains to keep the women and the children from seeing the fights and murders that occurred on the streets. In little old town, all city. Um, In 1907, J. P. McCann, who was the employee of the J. W. Uh, excuse me, J. M. Guffrey Petroleum Company, um, traced the flow of the uh, um, natural gas across the water of Cattle Lake by boat. Often, um, escaping gas was so great that McCann could ignite the vapor and simply follow the flames across the lake. Um, between the years of 1905 and 1942, Caddo Pond Island Field produced 160 million barrels of oil and 135 cubic feet of gas. And uh, they're still drilling a lot of gas up there, natural gas. Um, the Haney Shell project that's going on up there is still big up there. And um, um, uh, North Louisiana is still having a boom with uh, natural gas over the decade and uh, for, the, for a while. So that concludes All-City. All-City, a little old town, became a boom town uh, because of a, a railroad and got a post office in, um, back in the early 1900s when we were, pull, we, were, we were pulling a lot of R out. Okay, now we're going to talk about the sauce. This week's sauce, uh, in the, in, the, in the spirit of Thanksgiving uh we're going to talk about uh the the sauces is going to be about thanksgiving dinner in uh, south louisiana or in louisiana itself um thanksgiving has always been uh celebrated at uh, the same as any other parts of the country with the gathering of family and friends and a beautiful meal uh what distinguishes a cajun thanksgiving meal of um of, of other meals is the food preparation particularly the dressings um family traditions offered um concern uh uh, Different concerning the stuffing, whether oyster dressing, rice, and meat dressings or cornbread dressings was traditional. On whether the turkey was to be stuffed or not, um, in northern United States, pecan d- uh, bread dressing may have made uh, might have been made with broth and the uh, turkey giblets, which was uh, the piece of a uh, uh, de resistance of the turkey uh, Thanksgiving meal. In Louisiana, many people did not even have turkey until in recent years this is back in the day when uh, they didn't have uh, turkey as much as much we had pork had a lot of pork uh, down in uh, louisiana so um uh, um they have a lot of fall boucheries and uh, we talked about that in the past about the boucheries and all that coming over from uh, england and uh, they settled in mansoor louisiana and um so we had a lot of pork in louisiana so a lot of pork and then we then we then we then we started having turkeys and um so, uh, kind of uh, kicks things off of kind of a, what we're going to talk about as far as what we uh, normally do in Louisiana. That's a little different than everywhere else. About uh, with uh, with when it comes to uh, to uh, the, the the Turkey Day, uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit. So, um, uh, you got a, you got a oyster uh, brie soup that would be uh, that would be very prevalent, uh, especially in South Louisiana, because oysters were so easy to, to readily to get. Um, the Louisiana blue crab. Uh, A Louisiana blue crab dip's a real big dip. Uh, Getting those crabs out of the Gulf and uh, getting fresh crab dip and then get those blue crabs. You talk about good. Perfect starters for Louisiana. Uh, You know, got to start with seafood when you're in Louisiana. Uh, Other things that we uh, do in Louisiana, uh, fried turkey. Uh, We shoot a fried turkey up the night before. Shoot him up with seasoning and all that good stuff. And then we'll fry that bad boy up in a big black pot. Or, uh, uh, you know, a frying pot and then uh, fry that thing up and then real juicy. Um, another thing that, uh, that New Orleans, I think, kind of started was a turducken. Um, so the creation of that uh, is, is a Cajun creation of the turducken. Um, um, it sounds like a mythic- mythical creature, um, but in reality, it's just a deboned chicken stuffed in a deboned duck stuffed in the deboned turkey so um it's good so if you ever if you ever if you look up turducken and see if you want to do one of those if you're uh, not in louisiana um it's really uh, pretty good you, you combine you call you, you're taking turkey and your duck call it a turducken uh, another staple uh in louisiana uh at any time during the winter time or any time uh seafood gumbo you can make a seafood gumbo a bunch of different ways you can put whatever kind of seafood you want in there shrimp oysters crab meat <clears throat> i've been I've frog legs all that good stuff <coughs> excuse me um also uh cornbread dressing cornbread dressing is a big deal but the thing is you don't call you don't call it stuffing in louisiana in louisiana we call it dressing dressing a louisiana dressing is a brown uh what we do what we do is we make a dressing we make a a dressing not not a, um, like i said not a stuffing but much dislike it but uh the dressing Um, What we do is we make a brown sauce with uh, 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 giblets, gravy, and then pour it over the top. Brown sauce. You talk about good. Um, Also, you got the uh, old-time Cajun cornbread uh, casserole. It's all jazzed up with Louisiana flavors. And a couple other things. we got uh, the Cajun rice dressing. Uh, Cajun rice dressing can be done many different ways. You can put – I've seen shrimp in it, or you can put – you can uh, definitely jazz it up with, with, uh, with uh, the seasoning of Louisiana. My mom, she loves cooking like green bean casserole and sweet potato crunch casserole. That was her uh, thing. And she used to make ambrosia a lot. I remember when I was a kid. Um, so that was always fun. So that concludes today's uh, uh, podcast. And uh, remember to visit our website. Our website is www.redonionent.com. Or you can get us on Facebook. Our Facebook is at Red Onion Entertainment. And our Twitter, we have a Twitter. And it's at Red Onion, E-N-T-E-R-T-1. So I thank you all for tuning in today. I hope you all uh, enjoyed it. Got a little little history about Louisiana uh, with Oil City. And um, also talking about Lead Belly. One of, our, one of the great guitar players of all time. One of the first to, uh, to do it. And... Um, I uh, hope you enjoyed that. If you have any questions, please get me on, web- on, on, on our website. Or you can go to Facebook or Twitter and ask any questions you need or anything you want me to add to this. Um, I would love to hear from you. Y'all have a great week.